NFR Extra follows all your favorite cowboys, interviews legends of rodeo, and talks to the best of country music. Follow Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Godert every week as they delve deep into the stories behind the road to gold in Vegas at the National Finals Rodeo. It's revealing, comedic, and sometimes emotional. Find it on Spotify or anywhere you listen to podcasts. NFR Extra. All dirt, all rodeo, all year. Yeah, that was one of my philosophies. You know, the kids that came and rodeoed for me, I got ones that were going to be good good in the arena, but also good outside of the arena, in the classroom, in the community. You know, that you know, I tried to instill that on there on them too, you know, that yeah, you can you can win all you want, but you're if you're a little turd outside, you know, it, it doesn't really translate well uh, when you're going to try to sell sponsorships and they hear about bad things that you do all the time and not the good. NFR Extra, Episode 98. Jim Dewey Brown shares his experience building the New Mexico State University's rodeo program from the ground up to setting the stage for the College National Finals Rodeo and his most recent endeavor, becoming the GM of the world's oldest rodeo, Prescott Frontier Days. Do you have a College National Finals Rodeo experience? You? CNFR experience? Yeah. I attended CNFR and had a lot of fun, but I did not compete at CNFR, now. How does that work? How do you, like he's with New Mexico, or at least he was. So the CNFR, so very similar to NCAA, we are NIRA. It's separated off of college sports because of the fact that we simply make money. You know, we are getting paid off. So that's the only difference between the NIRA and the NCAA. Everything else still falls into the same GPA requirements, you know, all those fun details. To get to the CNFR, each region is a little different. Like we only, as a West Coast region, we only have nine rodeos. And they are Cal Poly, Cuesta, Feather River, West Hills, Las Vegas is our regional finals. Fresno, which is Clovis, might be forgetting one, but that's okay. So each of those rodeos are run differently, same as like PRCA, like some of them hold an average, some of them are round wins, some of them are two goes, some of them are one head and that's it. So it just kind of depends on there, but it's points based. So you go into regionals with your points, then regional finals, top three of your region in each event go to the CNFR. Like how far did you ever make it? I mean, is it team or is it individual based? So it's actually both. That is that is a separation, I guess, I didn't include. So UNLV women's team has na- multiple national titles. How that works is you pick either, ooh, I might be wrong on this, it's three or four individuals on your women's group that will be your points getters. So say you have 10 girls, but you know someone's horse has been feeling really good, so-and-so's been roping really good, you pick those girls that you know are gonna have a good weekend, and they're the individuals where their points will go to the team as well as the individual. So it's like gymnastics. Very similar, yeah. Yeah. But they have, like, everyone else is still competing for their own individual points. Gotcha. So is that like like, all-around kind of thing? It kind of just depends. So like, for example, myself, I was only running one event. 
at the time, or I guess I was running two, I only had the ability to place in two events where like Taylor Rivera on our UNLV rodeo team, she was entered in all four or five events. So it only made sense to put her on your points roster, even if say her goat horse was out, right? It still makes more sense to put her on the points roster because she has more opportunities to pull in points versus me. Now, granted, I still was competing for myself and for the chance to go to CNFR. It doesn't affect me in any other way, but her points will go to the team versus where mine are just singly going to mine. And you can only, in the rodeo, each rodeo, your coach picks different people. It's a lot so, to your head around. It's a lot. Yeah. At CNFR each, I think you actually still have to place only certain amount of people on your rodeo team. Um, it's not like everyone at UNLV. So like say Texas A&M sends 20 contestants because they just dominated the South Southern region. It doesn't matter. Like that coach still has to pick three or four individuals that are their team, go like their points person which typically goes into if you have an individual that qualified in two events, you're going to pick them because their odds are better to win. Enjoy our conversation with Jim Dewey Brown. Stay tuned to the end for Last Call with Steve and his good buddy, NFR announcer, Andy Seidler. Looking for tickets to the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo? StubHub is the official secondary and fan-to-fan site of the rodeo. Fans can buy and sell their tickets through a safe and secure online marketplace. Visit nfrexperience.com. This is Emily Miller-Beisel, and uh, we are on NFR Extra. Jim Dewey Brown's Rodeo Resume is about as impressive as it gets. GM of the Prescott Frontier Days, College National Finals Rodeo, Arena Director and Production Manager, New Mexico State University's Rodeo Coach, President of the Turquoise Circuit Board of Directors, and much more that's not on this list. His passion for teaching rodeo to the youth reflects his love for the Western lifestyle. He spent 13 years coaching college rodeo at New Mexico State University and was named NIRA Coach of the Year in 2007. He doubled the enrollment in the program during his time coaching In addition, Jim has vast experience in rodeo and equine events. He's produced the College National Finals Rodeo for over 10 years, Turquoise Circuit Finals, plus director of the Socorro Rodeo and Sports Complex. And now, his next adventure, general manager of the Prescott Frontier Days, the world's oldest rodeo. Jim Dewey Brown, welcome to NFR Extra, sir. How are you doing right now? I am great. I am uh, sweating, and it's hot up here in Casper, Wyoming. We are setting up for the College National Finals as we speak. And, yeah, I kind of took a little little hiatus from Prescott Frontier Days to run this little show up here. Your resume, your rodeo resume, I'm, I'm God knows what your other personal resume is. I'm sure it's impressive as well, but... Let's see, GM Prescott Frontier Days, College National Finals Rodeo, Arena Director and Production Manager, New Mexico State University University Rodeo Coach, President, Turquoise Circuit Board of Directors. Like I said, I think there's probably more to that list. Where, why, when did you get involved in the rodeo industry? Where did this all get started for you? It started... I, I didn't start riding Bronx until my junior year in high school, and I ended up fifth both years, uh, missing out trip to the national finals. Uh, but the, where I wanted to go to school was, um, you know, 
a buddy of mine had been there and he was, he spoke very highly of Bob Doty, uh, coach at Tarleton state. And so that's where I went. And I went on a academic scholarship <laughs> because the smartest bronc rider he's ever met. <laughs> I was salutatorian, <laughs> graduated salutatorian of a class. So nice. anyway, um, and I really, really looked up to Bob and that's where I got into, you know, the production, you know, I, I helped him out a lot, you know, and I ended up being his work study for years. And then I went on and became uh, a grad assistant and his assistant coach at, at Tarleton when I was getting my master's. And that's where I, I geared everything towards coaching. Well, I always had that passion of, you know, of producing events and, and putting on rodeos. I really, that it just really sang to me. And that, that was what, well, that was my calling, uh, you know, that I felt. And so, you know, I coached for 13 and a half years. Once I left Tarleton, I went and I got the job at New Mexico state and I was there for 13 and a half years. And I was, I was ready to, to branch out in, you know, facilities, uh, you know, get out there and, and do bigger and better things and really get out there. And so that's I, when I left coaching, I was kind of a gypsy for a little bit, uh, you know, in my hometown, they were building a, I think it was a two and a half million dollar facility, uh, covered arena, outdoor arena. Uh, and it's, you know, 20 miles from the ranch where I grew up. So that was, that was nice. So I kind of, I kind of hung out until they was done and they opened, actually opened that position. But while I was doing that, I was working for Harry Vold at the time, uh, at Harry and Kirsten. And of course, this was a year before Harry passed. Uh, so I flanked for them after the college finals. I started flanking for them and I flanked the rest of 2016. So I made, I got to go to the NFR with them, uh, flank, flank forehead there. Um, and then in the meantime, in October is when they opened up that position in Socorro. And, uh, so then I became a tourism director and events manager, which I was more focused on the events manager portion, you know, running the rodeo arena. And I was there for four years. And then of course, COVID kind of put a hamper on everything in New Mexico, like everything. I kind of laid on the bullet, took a, took a furlough instead of moving departments. Uh, they were talking, you know, well, we can move you to the dispatch or animal shelter and that way you save your job. And I was like, eh, nah, <laughs> not really. So I, uh, I just went basically jobless from June until, uh, February is when I took on the general manager job at Prescott Frontier Days. Yeah. What, but what did you do? I mean, we've interviewed a lot of folks in the industry. Everyone's done everything from, I mean, just odd jobs to finding rodeos to just helping out. Was there, I mean, you said jobless, but man, everything, everyone I've ever met. Oh, business. Yeah. You, I mean, you're busy. Oh, what were you I doing? I was jobless, but I was working on the ranch that I got. A, my family has a ranch. Uh, my mom and dad run. And, you know, there was a lot to do. It, you know, there was kind of some, uh, I wouldn't call it deferred maintenance, but, you know, the stuff that we put off you know, just cause we hadn't had time. And I ended up putting in I think 12. I know we put in eight of our own, uh, big old 11 foot tire troughs. <laughs> so I put, wow. you know, I was running tractor and working hard and putting, you know, just doing ranch stuff. And, and then we put four in on the neighbors. So <laughs> yeah, we were, we were busy. I was really busy. <laughs> so you're going through this process and then, then this job, I mean, it sounds like an awesome job. I mean, for someone who's what you've been through and kind of your experience, you land that kind of that spot for your age and what you've been working at. Right. How, how did this whole GM of Prescott frontier days, how did this come about? Well, you know, it was, 
you know, it's always, you know, I was always looking for, you know, what's the next step? What's, what's the next level of, you know, and I, I had really, I did really well with Socorro, but you know, it's, it's a small town and, you know, yeah, it was right there close to home. It was nice, but you know, it's, it doesn't get me to that next level. And, you know, and whenever uh, JC announced he was retiring, yeah, I, I kept my eye on it and I, I put in for it. You know, and I know, I knew a lot of the people on the committee and in, in that town, because my dad was born and raised there and, you know, I have family there. So I was always there. I was always, that was one rodeo I always entered. Uh, I think I, I went to it every year that I had my card. So, uh, and I actually won it twice. So that was nice. It was always, yeah, it always called, called back to me. So. You are listening to NFR Extra with our guest, Jim Dewey Brown, General Manager of Prescott Frontier Days, the world's oldest rodeo. Let's take a quick break. NFR Extra follows Cowboys, talks to legends and country stars, and finds the stories that make up the season that leads to the annual showdown in December. Follow me, Nevada Caldwell, Ryland Bentley, and Steve Goder as we delve deep into the stories in and behind the road to gold. Listen to NFR Extra on Rural Radio, Channel 147 on Sirius XM every Monday at 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 Eastern, with a re-air Tuesday in the same time slot. NFR Extra, all dirt, all rodeo, all year. We're back. And we don't want you to miss anything. Make NFRExperience.com your link to hear it first. You will get info on NFR events, Vegas concerts, insider tips, and more, all directly to your inbox. Just go to NFRExperience.com, verify your email address, and pick the experiences you want to hear more about. And new this year, we will send you customized announcements and special offers directly to your mobile number now and throughout the NFR. Check out NFRExperience.com for details. This is Jacob Edler, world champion steer wrestler, joining you on NFR Extra. Jim Dewey Brown here on NFR Extra. So what is the history behind Prescott Frontier Days and it being coined the world's oldest rodeo? You said you've been attending this rodeo for many years. You've won it twice. What is the the history behind this trademark? Well, so, you know, back in... 1888 they had and actually i think we i found a picture and i i, I gotta find it but again <laughs> uh but anyway in 1888 the prescott committee put on what they called official rodeo you know they had they had uh, the criteria you know you had added money you had attendance um you took records and you gave prizes i think is what the what the several things are and they were the they were the first one you know you know you have a lot of places that had a had a rodeo or you know a bronc riding or a you know teen tying or whatever it was i think it take us and um and like deer trail colorado i think they had a bronc riding but as far as a full-fledged rodeo where there was you know multiple events and lots of cowboys and then like all those things like i just said you know the added money the prizes the record keeping that's where it started and and they, so they, you know, obviously 134 years later, here we are. I think I've noticed that everywhere I see the term, the world's oldest rodeo, it's trademarked. Is that yes. to hold on to the fact that it's a true fact that it's the world's oldest rodeo and then to secure that? Yes. Is that where they came from? Yes. Yeah. You know, we have, we have a few others, you know, that claim, claim the same thing. You know, they're, they're the oldest. Well, they may be the oldest, but you know, maybe they didn't have a, you know, they didn't have a committee. They didn't have added money. They didn't have, uh, they didn't invite cowboys. Do you have generations? I mean, we're talking, man, 130 years. That That's trying to do the math here on the generations, but do you have 
certain generations of families that have been involved with the rodeo since then? I've met several people that go back to early, you know, before the war, the World War II, uh, you know, that, that have family that competed in, you know, before World War II. But it, further back, I haven't met, you know, families of those folks. But yeah, I'm sure they're out there. 133 years. <laughs> 34 will be this year. That 34 is, this year. That is a long time. You've been attending Prescott. What is the community of this rodeo like? It's amazing, you know, the, the the way this community gets behind this rodeo. There's so many things that, that are, you know, moving parts that are going on, you know, from the dance, the parade, the wild horse race, you know, parking, beer sales. I mean, everything has has its spot. Uh, we have another deal called Happy Hearts. It's, you know, for special, special needs kids. And we have, uh, I mean, just so much stuff that goes on, the kickoff party. And so we have, I, I want to say, 200 members and over 600 volunteers that, wow. that step up to put this rodeo on. And, you know, like I said, we just, it's not just the rodeo now. It's, you know, everything. With that, you know, and it, we, and we have the second largest parade in the state. And so with that, you know, it is a, it's a huge draw. And, the, and so then, which in turn helps our sponsors and our sponsors. I mean, they're, they are lining up to, to get a, be a part of this. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing how, how easy, well, I would say easy, easy, but it's a good sell. You know, it, it's, it's nice to, to be in a spot that is supported. So yeah, it, it's nice to be a part of something that's so supported throughout the community and throughout that, basically the whole county. Now, I'm, I'm imagining that you had to get involved fundraising wise with New Mexico State as a coach. I mean, every every coach in every university has to fundraise. What were the skills yeah. you learned going from there to here? Beg, borrow and steal. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and more, you know, you laugh. It, it is funny. But yeah, as a as a coach. A lot of rodeo programs, college rodeo programs are, you know, they're struggling. They, and, and it is whatever you can beg, borrow and steal to get to make sure those kids have, you know, practice stock, uh, scholarships, you know, you're able to put on a rodeo for them. And, you know, it, it's, you know, and sometimes it's, it's really good and sometimes it's not so good. And it just kind of depends on where you're at and, you know, how, how much support you get from the university or the, or the college and, and so, yeah, that a lot of that fundraising came from there, that, that experience there. So, yeah, I mean, like you got to deal with the private sector quite more often than right. I would imagine some of those Texas coaches or, I mean, I'm just assuming or Oklahoma or not really knowing my knowledge of college rodeos, but it just seems like, yeah, New Mexico, I know UNLV because Ryland here, they had to hustle, get things going. Did yeah, exactly that kind of, I mean, that kind of skill was it something that did you feel comfortable right away as a coach? No, it was a learned process. You know, it was it was difficult. You know, I started. I was the first coach that NMSU had. Uh, I was the first official coach. You know, they had advisors and stuff in the past. And you know, obviously, I come in there first one. There's a lot of firsts going on, and you know, trying to build it to a to a level that uh, is nationally recognized. You know, it, 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 it was, there were some growing pains for sure, but we got it and we lined up some really great partners. And, you know, by the time I was over, you know, Bolds, Bolds did my rodeo. They, they actually also provided the practice stock for my kids all year long. I took care of the old, the old timers 
and uh, so we got to buck them every every week. And then she had my rodeo at the end of the year, and we wrote one rodeo of the year, I believe, nine times in a row. And then I won it again when I put it put a standalone on it, Socorro. <laughs> so that was nice. But yeah, so you know, as far as you know, putting on, you know, when I left, like I said, we we were we were funded. Uh, we were really well funded uh, as far as you know, putting the rodeo on and with our with our sponsors and, and our partners. That's got to make you very attractive to the business side of what rodeo always needs. And that's dollars, right? I mean, they just, you, yep, yep. someone knows how to develop it, not just ride or teach people how to ride. I mean, that's, that's another, I'm sure. Right. Well, and that's, yeah, that was one of my philosophies. You know, the kids that came and rodeoed for me, I got ones that were going to be good, good in the arena, but also good outside of the arena, in the classroom, in the community, you know, that, you know, I tried to instill that on there on them too, you know, that, yeah, you can, you can win all you want, but you're, if you're a little turd outside, you know, it, it doesn't really translate well, uh, when you're going to try to sell sponsorships and they hear about bad things that you do all the time and not the good. This is NFR Extra, and our guest today, Arena Director and Production Manager of the College National Finals Rodeo, Jim Dewey Brown. We will return after the break. NFR Throwback with Pro Rodeo Hall of Fame announcer Bob Tallman. My greatest memories would be uh, going to the Thomas and Mac and being involved in an event that could not have been produced any better anywhere else in the world. And you have to understand that the NFR, the regular national finals rodeo, trained Las Vegas. Las Vegas didn't train the NFR. And throughout all of the years since its inception way back, um, the Cowboys, their families, the fans came. And what they did is they showed Las Vegas what they wanted and Las Vegas showed them what they had to offer. But where else are you gonna find this? 75 high-rise hotels, beautiful properties, within a mile to two miles to three miles at the max of the Thomas and Mac Arena. Where else are you gonna find that kind of financial and political support for a venue like the Wrangler NFR? And they understand, we are all working for the same end result goal to crown a world champion cowboy and a cowgirl for the WPRA. And that's the big thing. It's been this way forever since 1959. And um, nobody does it like Vegas. In Las Vegas, December can only mean one thing. The Wrangler National Finals Rodeo. The NFR is the culmination for the top contestants in the world seeking to share the $10 million purse and the coveted gold buckle. For fans, Las Vegas transforms into the greatest Western party in the world with the NFR experience, which features Cowboy Christmas, the Junior World Finals, nonstop entertainment, custom viewing parties, and so much more. Follow all the action at nfrexperience.com. Great moments, great champions, great memories. There's only one NFR. There is only one Vegas. 
Kobe Lovell, world champion team roper, joining y'all on NFR Extra. NFR Extra with Jim Dewey Brown. Let's talk about two areas of the college universe for you. What What are some moments that, being that you've worked behind the scenes uh, producing CNFR, are there any moments that stand out that you've been you've experienced in your time being there, um, seeing some young people win and now go on to maybe the NFR? It's it's funny, you know, they stick out, but there's so many of them that that happen. You know, I remember. Way back, uh, Taos won the won the CNFR and then wins the world later on that year. I, I know there's several more, but I just can't tell you their names. I, but there's just so many. You know, it seems like every year there's one that there's what kid that's here ends up at the NFR later on this year. That's pretty awesome, and I think that's a great uh, it's a great uh, selling point for you know for these college rodeo athletes that hey, you can do both and you can excel in both and, and really succeed and. And all the while getting your degree, just in case something bad happens and you you can't ride anymore, then uh, you got a you got an education to fall back on and go do something cool. Yeah, it's no different than in any sport, right? Basketball now has that around the world. Baseball has that. I mean, you can play AAA, AA, whatever. Um, but at the right. end of the day, you can only do that for so long, and you're going to need. Yeah, something the end of the day, the end of the day, you blow your knee out or you you know tear something up. What are you going to do? You know, I was I was fortunate enough that you know I I didn't have a whole lot of threatening injuries. You know, I did blow my knee out once, but but I was passionate about producing rodeos, and so I was able to you know seg into that really easily. So, what about New Mexico State? And, and any memories there as a coach? I was coach of the year, uh, national coach of the year in 2007, and then uh, 2008 I was the president of the of the faculty president of the of the nation uh, of the NIRA. And then 2009 is when Roger came on as commissioner and tapped me to be the arena director up here. And I've been it since then every year, but last year, because we didn't have one. All right. I'm going to test your Arizona knowledge. All right. So these are true and false starting with (laughs) Arizona. I I know we're going to get you here. Let me get Google up real quick. Hang on. (laughs) Arizona is the oldest known continuously inhabited area in America. True. True. If you are a fan of history of ancient civilization, you might be intrigued to know that Arizona is home to the Hopi village Arabi. I might have said that wrong. and I'm sorry if I did. This village in Navajo County, Arizona, is the oldest known continuously inhabited area in America, dating back to 1200 A.D. That's crazy. Next one. There are more wilderness areas in Arizona than in the entire Midwest. Oh, yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah. If you live in Prescott, if you live in Prescott, you're probably a fan of open land, forest, and nature. However, you may not know just how much wilderness there truly is. Arizona has doubled the amount of wilderness area than the whole Midwest. Next one is Arizona has the most species of rattlesnakes of any state. I think that's true because you probably have a Western diamondback. You probably have the Mexican blacktail. You probably have uh, the sandy colored one. I can't remember what the name of it is, but yeah, there's a lot. <laughs> that's true. There are 36 rattlesnake species. <laughs> yeah, <they're laughs> yeah. 13, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah, 13 of which is present in Arizona. Yep. It's <laughs> awful. I thought Nevada was bad. Yeah. Yeah. There's possible 25 years in prison for cutting down a cactus in Arizona. 
Saguaro. It's true. He already. True. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, there's that answer. Then, yeah. Don't, don't do that. That's bad. The five seeds of Arizona's economy are cattle, cars, cactus, cotton, and climate. Cattle, cars, cactus, cotton, and climate. I think that's probably close to right. Yeah. You won this <laughs> not, but. You're, you're exactly right. It is false. The actual five C's of Arizona's economy are cattle, copper, citrus, cotton, and, and climate. Yep. Yep. There you go. Copper. I knew there was a different one. <laughs> Nevada, I think he is the first person to get all of your true and false questions correct. Yeah. Roger Mooney was, uh, I think he was three for five. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> we did Georgia. Somebody, right? <laughs> You beat everyone. I think there's four or five of them we've done this far. So snakes, though. <laughs> nice. No, I, I got to tell yeah, you. No, um, yeah, no thank you. <laughs> I think it's been a split. For some odd reason, the cowboys that are down south have no problem with snakes. Like any down in the, uh, let's just say the Gulf area or anything like that, just seem to kind of write them off as no problem. Or they have no problem dealing with them. Anybody above that and definitely uh, heading towards the Pacific do not like snakes yeah. at all. I, I absolutely hate snakes and spiders. I just, ugh, they just give me the chills. Giving me the chills and the creeps right now. <laughs> you are listening to NFR Extra with our guest, the 2007 National Intercollegiate Rodeo Association Coach of the Year, Jim Dewey Brown. We will wrap up our conversation after the break. December, the eyes of the rodeo world are on the Wrangler National Finals Rodeo, the world's richest and most prestigious rodeo. And now you can follow the NFR all year long at nfrexperience.com. You'll find information on Cowboy Christmas and the Junior World Finals, unique blogs and content, access to NFR Extra, and much more. With the Stay in the Loop Club, you'll also have a chance to win a trip for two to Las Vegas 2021 for the world's greatest rodeo. Don't get left in the dust. Stay in the loop, stay in the know, and win at NFR I'm Casey Field, five-time world champion bareback rider, and I am on NFR Extra. Jim Dewey Brown is here on NFR Extra. Going back to your, your rodeo coming up here, what are the... First of all, I mean, you get the job, you're coming out of COVID, which you said you were, you know, you, you were jobless because of that situation. What are the new things that you've had to adapt to, or are there any heading into this rodeo based off of, you know, what's happened last year? Well, I would say, you know, you know, one, we, we lost the skybox, uh, you know, because it is a, it is a, an expense, a, a pretty large expense. And so we had to take that out, you know, because, you know, they didn't do well last year, you know, I mean, it, I mean, the, the rodeo went on and it was, it was good. The rodeo was good. It was just, uh, it was, you know, they were operating at 25% capacity last year. And so we're a hundred percent this year, but you know, we lost the skybox. So I guess, you know, when you come down to it, that, which is an extra, I think it's 400 some odd seats, um, you know, that we're losing. And so, you know, so that's, that's going to be, you know, one thing that we got to build towards the, the other thing is, you know, is you don't know, you don't know until you're until you're there is, you know, how, how, I wouldn't say how fearful or afraid somebody is to come back into a large, you know, packed house seating. 
you know, close close quarters. You know, it just depends on what they're, you know, you know, once they, I guess if they're vaccinated or you know if they they don't fear what what's going on. You know, I guess that's where that's one one challenge that that's you know always in the back of your mind. Uh, you know, and I worried about the sponsorship. You know, Gump coming in this year and and I don't have to, you know, the, the sponsors are ready to get rolling. And, and, you know, we had a lot of new sponsors this year. What's the capacity of, of that rodeo? Almost 5,000, I think, mm. uh, eight performances eight over performances. seven days. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. Yeah. We have two on Saturday. Saturday's a busy day. We have a parade in the morning and then we have a matinee performance at one thirty, and then the seven thirty performance. Man, I bet you the community is super pumped about that. Yes, absolutely. So before we let you go, so you have the rodeo, the parade, event for kids that I'm blanking your name. What are your must oh, do's? There you go. What are your must do's while in Arizona attending this rodeo? Well, definitely the rodeo, obviously. Uh, parade is always a hit. The dance, um, you can hit that after the performance. Uh, there's a Thursday night is family night for the dance. So if you've got little ones, you can come up there for Thursday night. And then Friday, Saturday nights are 21 and up. Um, you know, obviously you got eight performances to go to, hit the parade. After the parade, hang out, check out Whiskey Row. That's always a really, uh, really popular destination for, you know, somebody somebody's coming in and never been there. It's lots of history all in one little block of area. Pretty awesome. Yeah, you had me at Whiskey Row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think there's, there's more, more bars on that street than anywhere else. <laughs> so. Mr. Jim Dewey, I got to tell you, man, I, I'm kind of wishing that I could get down to Prescott because I know that our guy, Bo Gardner, hit it up last year in the capacity that was in. He couldn't stop talking about once we get past this COVID situation, how much he wants to go there, in which I have a funny feeling he'll be there. But again, you know, congratulations on the, on the, the job, you know, how far you've come with what you're doing. And it's cool, man, to be, let's, let's just say, post-COVID Prescott uh, frontier days, oldest rodeo, et cetera, et cetera. Congrats, man, on kind of getting this ball rolling for you and the CNFR. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Thank you guys. And thank you for what you guys are doing to keep us rolling. All right, Desperados, last call. I haven't been this excited for 21 since I myself was 20. <laughs> because all of this just, <laughs> let's do this. All right. All right, friends, this is Steve Godert, professional rodeo announcer and auctioneer. Joining me right now, my good buddy, the 2020 Wrangler National Finals Rodeo announcer, Mr. Andy Seiler. What's shaking, my man? Nothing to it, Steve. I was one of three. Okay, so before you start pandering, I was one of three, not the only one. So I didn't don't even start with that. I just said, I just said NFR announcer. So you can't discredit yes. me on that. No, that, that is factual. I, I have the buckle and I'm keeping it. So yeah. Did have an interesting, you know, chat with Jerome Robinson. So it's cause they were setting up the PBR here and uh, you know, it's pretty cool to talk to like an old school cowboy like that. You know, I mean, a guy that's been there and done it all, you know, I mean, yeah, there's nothing Jerome hasn't done. Those guys old, forget more than you or I all of them. Oh God. And you, and you think you're cool until he like affirms the fact that he's been to damn near every continent with a rodeo, you know I mean? He's yeah. like, Oh yeah, we shipped some stuff to Venezuela and Finland and we went to Japan one time and I'm like, 
<laughs> you ever been to Nebraska? He's like, well, I live like 20 miles from there, but yeah, yeah. yeah you're cool too. Well, that's, what's crazy too is, you know, I mean, I was around cotton Rosser and the flying new rodeo company crew for a while and all that they did, you know, going to Vegas was brand new. Then all the openings that they had, it was the never been seen before stuff. Yeah. And so the same thing with Jerome and the PBR and everything that they'd done along those lines, they had an opportunity to capitalize on something that has never been done before. Yeah. And so now it's like, well, how do you do that? What, what has not been seen before? And it's, it's interesting to watch these guys too on how, you know, with Sean Gleason too, for the PBR side of it on how these guys capture an audience um, because everybody wants the newest, quickest, fastest thing, you know? And it's like, how do you do that with rodeo? Yeah. I mean, how many more times can you reinvent the wheel? You know, exactly. I, I mean, exactly. You know, I mean, we're, we're all looking for the new fan. Uh, so there's, there's no question about that. I mean, you know, I, I think rodeo is one of those sports that when you get somebody hooked, their allegiance is there, you know, I mean, yeah. but the, the new fan is, is what everybody's chasing in every sport because you, you want to create that, that experience for who's going to be here for generations to come, not just, you know, who's coming today. Yeah. That's when I was working for Feld Motorsports. Their target audience was were boys that were like five to 12 years old. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's who they wanted to get because they had that impact on them. And then it was, oh, dude, I got to take my son or my daughter because my dad took me when I was little. So it was exactly what you're saying is that multi-generational sort of a deal. But it works because, I mean, that's for me for the longest time. I mean, that's what I did. I grew up going to circuit rodeos, watching my dad team rope, you know, and yeah. And that's where I was hooked. You know, I mean, growing up, that's, I saw that my dad did it and, you know, my dad looked cool doing it. And so I wanted to look cool doing it like my dad did. So how's that going for you? It, it's going okay. I mean, I, I can't complain. <laughs> Man, I'm super excited for 21 and uh, the direction that it's going to go and just kind of watch things unfold. But most of all, baby, I am looking forward to going back to Las Vegas. Oh. Please bring it on. Like uh, there's, <laughs> there's so many things and, and I'm, I'm so appreciative of what Texas did. I, I really am because it was nothing short of a miracle and the Rangers were great hosts. Um, you know, there, there was just a, a, a group of people that pulled together to make sure that the national finals rodeo happened. And Vegas is included in that because they said, yeah. Hey, we give you a one year hall pass. You guys go to Texas, get these Cowboys paid. Um, but to me, uh, Vegas is the home of the NFR since the year before I was born. And all the memories I have of the NFR growing up from the old, you know, uh, Winston rope and shoots and stuff. I mean, just, you know, just going back to the 80s and uh, the 90s, the battles you had and the timed events were heck, there were, there were people that would stay for the tie down rope and before they would the bull riding sometimes because they wanted to see Cody Ole and Fred Whitfield battle it out, you know? So that, that's what I grew up on. And, and there's a little bit of nostalgia for me, obviously. Uh, but I also like playing craps. I also like <laughs> going to nice dinners with my wife. So, uh, so yeah, I can't wait for it to get back to Vegas. Yeah, it'll be good, man. Well, hey, it was awesome catching up with you, Andy, and I appreciate your time and uh, look forward to seeing you on the NFR Extra more, and we'll be checking in with you and seeing how your summer develops and uh, some great new stories from the rodeo trail from you, buddy. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate you having me on. We want to thank Jim Dewey Brown for joining us 
on NFR Extra. Want to experience more of NFR? Then visit nfrexperience.com. And we invite you to subscribe to NFR Extra on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you're listening right now. If you like what you've heard on NFR Extra, we would love it if you gave us a big five-star rating and tell your friends how to subscribe. NFR Extra. All dirt. All rodeo. All year. Gotta make it out to Vegas. Where the big boys roam. With the rovers and the racers and the bulls and the browns. And the ladies in the skin-tight wrangers and the cowboy hats.